You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, where the weather has been schizophrenic all day. One minute it's raining, one minute it's beautiful sunshine. Right now it's beautiful sunshine. Give it 10 minutes and it'll change. Uh, that's Oregon for you. So we come to you live every Wednesday at 4. Um, and we like to occasionally bring a guest on, but I want to remind folks we are a call-in show, 646-721-9887. And don't forget to press 1 when you call in because that kind of raises your little hand on our board and lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the Bose Nose show and talk to me. Uh, so if you have a question for our guest or a question for me, you know, just feel free to call in again, 646 721 9887, don't forget to press 1, because we do have a lot of people that call on their phone to listen to the Bose Nose Show live because they're away from their computers. But we do come across, you know, blog talk radio here live, uh, and we are also Facebook live broadcast uh, simultaneously. So there's a couple ways to watch us and, and a, a way to listen to us on just by calling into the show and listening. So today we have a guest. Victoria Doyle, who is running for Springfield City Council Ward 5 seat. And uh, I've known Victoria for about 20 years now. I think we met in the early 2000s, uh, cross paths doing political stuff. And uh, I yeah, wanted to bring her on because uh, I think people need to get to know Victoria, and uh, I think she'll make a great city councilor. But Victoria's Say hi to uh, our audience here on the Bose Nose Show and introduce yourself. Well, thank you, Jay. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Victoria, as Jay said, and uh, I am running for the Springfield City Council, Ward 5. Uh, my, I, I had always said I wasn't going to do this when we moved back to Springfield, but my husband told me that he knew for a fact I was going to. He was like, I'm just waiting for you to tell me. Um, I am a lifelong resident of Lane County. I was born right at McKenzie Willamette Hospital here in Springfield, went to Thurston High School, um, mostly in 4J School District in Springfield. Um, let's see, I've um, been in both private business and the public sector. I'm currently working for the City of Eugene, Public Works Engineering. I'm a land use review assistant, so I deal with private development projects and really try to help developers and those people out there working with their property to sort of navigate through that, which is the city code. Um, prior to that, my husband and I worked in his family's business, uh, motorcycle uh, dealership. And while I was doing that, I was teaching motorcycle safety for Team Oregon. Um, just personal, I'm a Steelers fan, yay, and a diehard dog lover, um, which is something that Jay and I have in, very much in common. We share. Uh, pictures all the time. Um, and so I could tell you a little bit about my um, venture into politics, if you want me to kind of go there, Jay? Sure, sure. Let's talk about why you want to run and, and, and kind of your, what makes you think you're qualified to be a city councilor. Well, I've always been civic-minded, and I think, you know, I think most people care about their communities, but the one thing that is kind of my platform is that I get frustrated with Washington, D.C. There's not a lot I can do about it. 
I get frustrated with Salem and what's happening there. Can't really do a lot about it. But we have the ability to change and have a voice in our local community. And I, I stress that to anyone and everyone who will listen. If you have kids, you should be involved in the PTA, you should be involved in school boards and going to those meetings. And if you have concerns about how your city is spending their money, um, you should be getting on the budget committee because they want volunteers from the community to be in that. It's an open process. And that's what happened with me. I was living in Cottage Grove, uh, lived there for about 13 years, and uh, I was sitting in a local restaurant called Stacy's Covered Bridge, and I was complaining about something that was happening with the city spending money on something. And a gentleman who I didn't know at the time but got to know quite well leaned over and said, you know, if you're going to complain about it, you might want to try getting involved. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, we need budget committee members. It's open right now. Why don't you apply? And that began my uh, career in politics. I was like, well, okay, dang it, I'll do that. Um, and I walked into the budget committee in Cottage Grove, which obviously is a much smaller community than Springfield, but it really helped me dip my toes in the water. Um, if you come from the private sector, and you dive into public sector budgeting, it is mind-boggling. I mean, there were so many times where I'm like, God, if I ran my budget like this at home, we would be broke, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but it was awesome because I got to have a voice. And then when people in the community would ask about stuff, I felt like I was knowledgeable and could explain. You know, when somebody would say, why did they build that? I was able to explain it. Well, that was specific money that was for that and what have you. Um, and the opportunity arose to run for city council. So I uh, threw my hat in the ring for city council. It was the only contested seat in Cottage Grove. And um, I think that kind of makes the process fun, but it's also very stressful. Um, and I did win that seat and um, got on several boards and committees there. Um, and in 2014, um, when we were going to run again, I knew that we were looking to move back to Springfield. Um, my parents lived here. They weren't doing physically very well, and um, I knew that we needed to be close to them. And so uh, I, I did not elect to run again. I, I didn't think it would be fair to get reelected knowing that I wasn't going to finish my term. Um, and so we moved back to Springfield. Unfortunately, my mom passed away before we finished closing on our house, which was a drag, and my dad moved in with us, like four months after we bought our house. So um, I once again got involved in politics here in Springfield because, again, that's what I love to do. Got on the budget committee, um, spent some time in that for a couple of terms, got on the community development advisory committee. Um, and then in 2018, um, unfortunately, my dad got very, very ill, and I let the council know that I was going to pull back. I would go ahead and finish out my term on the budget committee, but I, uh, I really needed to um, take care of my family, and I did. And so I was able to, I was blessed to have the time with my father. Um, and then I just kind of got used to not having to go to meetings, <laughs> not having to do stuff until I got a call a couple, oh, like a month and a half ago um, from some people that are on the city council now, including the mayor, who said, hey, did you know that Marilee Woodrow, who sits in your seat, is not running again? She's going to be retiring, and we really think you should run. And I looked at my husband and said, well, I need to talk to my husband about it. So he was like, Vic, you know it's what you want to do. But I called Marilee because um, I really felt like I wanted to have her blessing, and I asked her uh, what she thought, and she said she absolutely endorsed me. She even actually wrote a really nice uh, endorsement for the voters pamphlet. And so here I am. How's that? Yep. And, and you know, just to, to connect another dot, Mary Lee is another avid dog lover. And um, I've been sharing photos with her and, you know, her corgis and uh, <laughs> other dogs she's adopted over the years. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's a, a great dog lover. So there, there, there's, there's this connection between the three of us. <laughs> And she Facebook has a, uh, has a business where she does dog sitting in homes. So I think it's called Paws Up, P-A-W-Z, Paws Up. And uh, yep. so she has a little side hustle that she does. What a, what a fun thing to do. I'd like to do that when I retire. Yeah, getting in to hug, hug on everybody else's dogs. Uh, 
Yeah. Although I, you know, people love their dogs so much, it, make, it makes me nervous taking care of somebody else's. What if something goes wrong? <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Um, well, you know that's you know such a great background, such a, a a wealth of knowledge about you know city government. You know, because it's interesting that you not only have that budget committee experience and city council experience from Cottage Grove um, community development. But then you've got this city code interpretation experience working as staff for the city of Eugene and kind of understand what the difficulties people have in getting projects permitted. And I understand that, you know, there's, there's one real driving force kind of why you want to be on the city council and, and, I understand you kind of are concerned about our, our housing crisis here in Oregon and the lack of housing at all levels. Is it is is kind of your your staff experience in Eugene part of what's helping drive that desire to serve on the city council and try and resolve some of those issues? Because staff can't change code. Well, staff is planning is working on changing code right now. In fact, Springfield the there's a um, a there's two different um, measures that went through. One was House Bill 2001, and one was Senate Bill. I think it's 346 or 348, and these were middle housing um, man basically mandates that uh, told local governments of a certain size that they needed to revamp their code so that it would make it more accessible for people to subdivide their lots, put in row houses, uh, duplexes, triplexes, and that in what we call residential R1 um, zoning. And so it's about changing those uh, the ability uh, to do that so that we can provide more housing. Because not everybody needs a single family dwelling. There are a lot of single people. There are you know elderly folks that live alone. There's a lot of different um, reasons that people wouldn't necessarily want um, you know, a full-size home, plus we just don't have a lot of room. And so um, I found out a while back that the city of Springfield started doing this long before um, they were being told that they're mandated. And I will mention that those changes have to be in place by, I think it's June 30th of this year. Um, and so a lot of municipalities are scrambling. I know that Eugene is working on their code amendments as well um, to try to get this, you know, to get it through so that um, what they call ADUs or accessory dwelling units where we can put like a smaller um, place on a, a lot that already has an existing home um, and trying to to minimize the the steps that people have to go through to make that happen, trying to make it more accessible for people to be able to develop their land in a way that's going to provide more housing. Um, so I'm really excited that Springfield is on the cutting edge of, of getting that rolling and I'm, I'm excited to see that go through and see how that how that uh, transpires. Um, and the, the city of Springfield, I think they also have to work with Lane County on that. I think that it actually comes to you guys um, when Springfield, um, the planning commission gets the code amendments for like the metro plan. Anyway, I don't want to get too technical, but I, I understand that they are working with Lane County on that, um, and that that'll come to you guys, and then I think eventually make its way to this to the council. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I've also been doing, um, I mean, I've worked in public works since 2014. You know, I've, I've been working in engineering with land use since about 2018, but the first three to four years, I was working in infrastructure. You know, I was working with the maintenance department, parks and open space. And so I also have a, a real heart for having good quality infrastructure in our community. Um, it's one of the reasons that I was such a vocal advocate for getting funding to fix our roads here in Springfield. I mean, I think your uh, producer can can attest to the fact that the roads, you know, are over 50% of the roads when they did a study in 2017 had potholes, cracks, and needed to be fixed in Springfield. But every time we went to the budget committee and they would give their presentation from public works, there was never any money. Like they kept saying, we don't have enough money. And I'm like, this isn't an option. We have to fix this. 
Because if we don't fix the roads now while they're at least repairable and they become irreparable, now we're replacing the road. We're replacing the pipes underneath, the wastewater and stormwater pipes. It becomes millions of dollars. Um, and so I really spearheaded the, the need to get a bond together and took it out to the people. And thankfully, the folks in Springfield realized how important it was, and we were able to get that through. So. Yeah, well, that's really great. Yeah, I know Robin. Um, we we talked about her story of of the four hundred dollar pothole that she hit you know, on Laura Street. Um, yeah, <laughs> that cost you know, four hundred dollars to repair. As a motorcyclist myself, I totally understand. Um, but what they had to do was they had, you know, a limited amount of money, and they needed to pick the roads that were the most highly traveled and that um, they could repair with the amount of money that they were going to be receiving through this bond. And so, you know, they picked they picked some really some good ones like Olympic and to Mohawk, you know, Mohawk Boulevard to 28. They picked Centennial Boulevard, um, which is planning on getting done this year, as a matter of fact. Um, if you've been out High Banks Road, uh, it's fantastic. It's just so wonderful. Um, so, yeah, they're really doing a good job. And they have all of their um, reports for each year out on the website for people to review and make sure that they feel comfortable with the fact that their money is being spent the way that they were told it was going to be spent, which to me is so important. Like that transparency. I mean, we, we throw that word around in government that, you know, we, we want to be transparent. We need to really be transparent. And that means providing people with all of the information that's available. Yeah, we just had our audit report on the jail levy uh, yesterday at the Board of Commissioners. And that was our levy when we designed it back when we first passed it in 2013 um, was specifically done that way with the requirement to be audited every year so people could see that we were spending the money what we were keeping the money separate and spending it just the way we said we were and not um you know dumping it into this big bucket called the general fund and, and then pretending we were right. increasing you know, jail you know <laughs> so, exactly. so it's really yeah springfield's tracking that on their website publicly for people to see and, and that audit is available to the public also on the lane county website that's real transparency in government. I, I fully support it. So speaking of roads, um, <laughs> I, so I want to wander into another topic because um, it's generated a lot of buzz on social media. Um, I know that some business owners along Main Street are not very happy about this preliminary proposal to put is it seven or nine roundabouts on Main Street? Uh, supposedly yeah, nine roundabouts and yeah. Yeah. So, so just real quick, tell me what you think. <laughs> it's hard to t to tell you real quick. Um, I this is <laughs> one of the topics that that I kind of had heard about that also made me want to get involved uh, with the city council. Um, what I'll say is that I, I haven't spoken to city staff or the planning commission or anyone about, uh, of the members that are that have this plan with them and are reviewing at this time. Um, I haven't read the entire 1,700-page report. Um, but what I have done is I've looked at the conceptual plans. And what I've also done is went out and talked to a bunch of these business owners um, that are along Main Street. And, and then the ones that are going to be really gravely affected by the conceptual idea of putting in nine roundabouts and 10 miles of raised median. Um, the plan as proposed would, would cause, it's crazy. Um, you know, these businesses have trucks that bring in their, their products. They have customers that would have to backtrack, you know, let's say it's McKinsey Feed on Main Street. If somebody was coming from Thurston, they would have to go all the way down to 42nd, take the roundabout, and then come back to get into there. And then if they had business downtown, now they've got to go up to 56, do another roundabout to head back downtown again, um, because there'll be, a, or they have to cross where the median would split. And so um, it's a really significant project that could 
could um, adversely affect a lot of, of the businesses um, as it's written right now. Um, and I think what the main argument with people, what I've heard, the concern that I've heard and that I, I share with these people is that they feel like they weren't, that it was brought to their attention but not in the depth of what it truly is. You know, we were talking about transparency. Um, this has kind of been on the table since 2015. I mean, they talked about doing something called like the Main Street McVeigh Project, um, and I understand that got, you know, uh, tabled because there was so much of an outcry about the effect. Well, this one started uh, coming back up again, 2017, and in 2018, um, the city actually put together a, uh, a strategic advisory committee that had some of these business owners on it. Um, I've, I spoke to one of them yesterday at length, and um, so on this committee, they were the way it was written um, in the first meeting where they decided what they were going to be doing with their you know, what their goals were, they were also going to take a vote once all of these meetings occurred and they'd seen all of the stuff. Well, that didn't happen. Um, they had six meetings when they were supposed to have, I think, eight or ten. Um, they were spread out sometimes six, eight months in between the meetings. And then this crazy thing called COVID hit. And so the city in the plans, if you look at volume one, which is out on the city website, they talk about the public outreach that they did. But think about this. I mean, these are businesses where during COVID, they were just trying to keep their doors open, right? They're trying to figure out how to navigate getting customers when customers first weren't even allowed to come out, when their businesses weren't considered um, essential. And then opening up again and having these new uh, mandates and how do we handle this, how do we work with our customers. So they're just trying to live their lives and, and keep themselves afloat for their business and for their kids and everything else. And apparently all of these, they, they continued on with this project, even though the Strategic Advisory Committee had said, hey, we should probably table this until we get through all of this stuff. And so it came up that it was going to um, Planning Commission and um, they're actually going to have a planning commission this Tuesday, and the city council meets on Monday. And I believe um, if you take a look at the notes for the agenda for the planning commission, um, there's a really interesting article at the end of it written by someone, um, I think who used to be on the planning commission, um, but anyway, uh, that, that shares some of the concerns of the folks, and it brings up some really good points. Um, but the, the people felt like they weren't, and, and I think the city thinks, well, we did what we were supposed to do. We did what we legally had to do. But you know what? These people didn't know about it. And one business owner, owner on Main Street at McKinsey Glass took some signs and put them out on Main Street and said, people, wake up, find roundabouts, raise medians, get in touch with the city. I think two days later, he had KEZI come out and interview him, and then that's when this thing blew up. So guess what? You can get to people <laughs> because if one guy was able to get to hundreds of people in two days, the city probably could have done a better job over three years. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a counselor now. Even if I was, I'm only one vote. Even if I'm not a counselor, I'm, I would be – I would be involved in this project because I, I share these folks' concerns, and I really want to see and look at our process for how we contact people and let them know about something. I mean, this isn't, hey, we're going to be shutting down the street to put in a new ADA ramp. Like, this is, the, this is going to cost people their businesses, so, um, as it's written right now. So hopefully we can look at it in more depth. We can see what the Planning Commission is doing with it. Um, you know, hopefully they're hearing folks, and we might be able to take it back to the table and try to figure out what to do with it. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at yeah, with it. I mean, yeah. It's, you know, it almost looks like they went way overboard trying to solve the problem of safety of Main Street. Um, and, you know, as I look at it, you know, because I am an engineer and a civil engineer at that, and I've designed lots of roads, it's going to be very expensive. Um, every, every power pole that has to be moved, and there's power poles on both sides of Main Street as you have to widen out for 
for this center median and widen out for the uh, roundabouts, it's about a $35,000 move. You know, so when you start thinking about how many poles that is, and, and mind you, that won't be in the project cost. That'll just be in people's sub bills because <laughs> sub will have right. to pay for those repositions. But you're going to well, pay for it, keep it somehow if you're a resident of, of Springfield. <laughs> well, and but keep in mind, too, that there's only a portion. I mean, Main Street isn't just a street like it's a it's a highway basically like it's a it, it's ODOT and then you get up further and it's actually a, a, a like a, a truck road um, and so there's a lot of other entities that are involved in this as well um, and um, I, I'm not I'm certainly not saying that there aren't concerns about Main Street I mean we know that Main Street has been listed as one of the most dangerous roads in Eugene or excuse me in, in Oregon and that's what I've, I've heard and that's what they've said in the in the study um, and I think that they've, they've started to go do some really positive things. I mean, they put the, the crosswalks in where you, can, you hit the light. Um, we also, the speed limit changed, right, after we had a, a pretty significant accident. Um, but I think that we really need to delve into how many accidents have really occurred because when the city was asked um, by one of these business owners, um, how the studies have looked since they've put in these new crosswalks, since they've lowered the speed, and they were told, oh, well, we haven't done any studies since that. We, don't have en we haven't had enough data. It's been, what, with the, the crosswalks, saying six, seven, eight years? Like, how many years do you need before you can go out and do a study and see how many, you know, how they have helped or if they've helped with the safety of Main Street? Um, so, I mean, none of these business owners are saying that they don't want a safe street. I mean, their businesses are on the street. They want people to be able to safely get in and out of their business. What they don't want is to have to sacrifice half their parking, or in the case of someone like Chris Stewart, who owns uh, Dutch Brothers on 42nd Main, I mean, he just spent $80,000 on a remodel because they, he had a bunch of stuff that he needed to do you know, they had, he had a roof and he had all of this stuff, some electrical stuff, and he dumped all this money into that business out of his own pocket. That's his thing. And if you look at the plan, the conceptual plan, that roundabout at 42nd Main goes right through the spot where his, his uh, drive-through is. It's gone. And he's like, yeah. why would I spend this money if it was just going to go away? So I think I think that there just needs to be more discussion about this. I think that it's something that we we have to we have to just like let's take a step back. Let's let's start talking about this again um, and see if we can figure out some ways to make things safer, just a little slower. <laughs> so. Yeah, and and I'm getting the high sign from Robin. She she I think she wants to jump in on this this roundabout question and and maybe ha add to the conversation here. Robin, you had something. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that, as uh, especially Jay or anybody that deals with numbers, that data can be in any way you want to. When, when I did my research, the majority of the accidents that happened on Main Street, because, again, to, to back up, they're just saying that ODOT claims it's one of the most dangerous streets, is most of the accidents are rear-enders. And mm -hmm. there's been very little fatal accidents uh, on that street, at least in the last couple right. of years. Agreed. So roundabout is not going and, and, to help. I've only been in one accident in the last 10 years, and you know where it was at? It was in a double roundabout uh, when I crossed over the bridge in Springfield and was heading out to LCC. And a woman coming from Eugene headed into Springfield, who was from uh, the coast, had never seen a roundabout in her life, didn't even think to look left, and slammed into me. Um, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just, yeah. the idea that we're going to make, this isn't Bend, Oregon. Like, you know, if you've been to Bend and you, you know how you have to go through the roundabouts there, this is a different beast. This isn't, it's different. So, yeah. Well, yeah. have you uh, sat and watched the rush hour traffic over at 42nd and 126 when it goes into Main Street? Then picture that being a slowed down roundabout. Yeah. 
I mean, already when yeah, just, over behind, well, I was going to say behind 7-Eleven, when the Thurston lets out in that crosswalk back there, actually backs traffic up onto Main Street and even beyond uh, Walgreens. But yeah, there's a, anyway, there just seems to be a lot more discussion. Yeah, and, and, you know, one of the issues I think that gets the public's attention most about Main Street has been the pedestrian accidents, the pedestrian uh, vehicle type accidents. And a lot of those have been nighttime accidents and crossing where, you know, mid-block and, and in the dark, wearing dark clothes <laughs> sort of things. Uh, but uh, and a roundabout's not going to change that behavior so much. And in fact, roundabouts actually cause a lot of out of direction movement for somebody crossing a road. And you're, you're then crossing where people aren't looking necessarily for pedestrians if you're crossing it a roundabout, because people are looking at the merge traffic, um, right. not necessarily crosswalks. So I'm not so, as just understanding human behavior uh, in traffic, I'm not so sold that roundabouts solve a pedestrian safety issue, if not create an additional one. Um, I know as a cyclist, I'm not real thrilled about, uh, bicyclists, not motorcyclists, <laughs> I'm not real thrilled about roundabouts when I'm on my, my bicycle because people are just not looking for bicycles in those situations either. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be interesting to, you know, there are places where I do think roundabouts can improve safety. And it's usually, Absolutely, I agree. That it's usually a matter of rural highways that have high speed T-bone and rear-end accidents at intersections. Um, you not not just the fender bender rear-ender, but you know where somebody is uh, stopped to make a left turn and there is no left turn lane, <laughs> and they get T-boned at 55, 60 miles an hour, rear-ended 55, 65, and pushed into the opposite lane of traffic sometimes, creating a head-on. Um, that's been common on highways like 126 between Eugene and Benita. And some of those intersections like uh, with Fisher Road um, around about there actually would improve safety. Um, I, you know, these, I'm not so sure they're gonna do that because you already have an urban intersection quite often controlled by a stoplight. You know, when you go from uncontrolled um, non four way stop sign you know type intersections to a roundabout, you can get that increase in safety. And there isn't the pedestrian and cycling traffic on that roadway either. <laughs> so I yeah, when yeah, I saw the plan to add those roundabouts, I was scratching my head. <laughs> well and and I'm not a traffic engineer, so I'm, I'm and I would never claim to be. That's way smarter than me. Um but I just I just need, I would need to see more data. I just want to see how this justification is in because I'm like, I'm not against roundabouts. I don't, um, but I got to, I'll tell you one thing. My husband drives for lane transit and uh, he says putting a 60 foot articulating bus around a, uh, a double roundabout is uh, really fun. <laughs> not yeah. really fun. So um, yeah, it's a, it's an interest. It's going to be an interesting conversation and um, the, you know, the one thing, again, when we're talking about, it's not necessarily talking about the safety aspect, but what the businesses are saying, and at least the people that I've talked to, is that if you stay within your right-of-way and you can do these things within the right-of-way, cool. They just are really concerned about the extension of the right-of-way, right? So moving that right-of-way into their, their property when they're already very limited in their parking, in their ability to have trucks come in and out. I mean, I'm meeting with um, Ro uh, Brian at Roseboro um, next week to have, he's going to show me kind of how their log trucks and stuff would be affected um, by a roundabout at 28th. And um, I spoke to Joe over at uh, Joe's Truck and Tra Trailer, and, you know, it looks like it would really decimate his business. He has, like, no parking anyway. I mean, he's already given up a lot. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that this is a conversation we need to continue with. And I hope as a city councilor 
if I am, um, that I'll get to be a part of that conversation. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, they, the one thing about Main Street, um, and particularly the section from, you know, 20th to about 42nd or so, access is a lot of heavy industrial property. And, they, yeah. and by it, it's a major truck route. And throwing a bunch of roundabouts, yeah. putting a, a raised median, um, forcing out-of-direction traffic for 18-wheelers is not really the greatest thing in the world, you know, as we're all <laughs> – you know, there's, there's such a crisis right now in a shortage of truck drivers and, and just how difficult it is to move freight right now. Adding additional problems to freight movement is not going to help our – you know, those local Springfield high paying manufacturing jobs that are in that industrial area compete with other areas that may not have to navigate nine roundabouts to get their product in and out, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. These are, these are people that have poured, poured their heart and soul into Springfield and, uh, and they're scared. I mean, they really are. And it, you know, it breaks my heart to know that they're, you know, with everything else, that a business has to worry about today to suddenly have the fear that you're going to lose your parking and you're going to lose customers because of this project. I just, I just feel for every one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I know I work and, and, you know, have known a lot of the businesses on West 11th as the, the MX went out West 11th to Walmart there. Um, and, you know, it was, it was scary for all of them out there as they yeah. widened west and took took away parking and everything. And, you know, even now, if you try and get in and out of some of those businesses like coffee roasters or, you know, Lock Beyond and, and a few others, uh, it's not so easy anymore. Uh, and, I uh, avoid it like the plague. I avoid going to anything on West 11. Do we want that people to avoid coming to Main Street? I mean, that's that's another thing we have to think yeah. about. Like don't like which, to be inconvenienced. Which brings me to a whole other subject that's not in Springfield, but folks that are hearing this concerns about Springfield, this moving ahead project that, that LTD and the city of Eugene are looking at now to, to change River Road and Coburg uh, and a few other roads out there to be, quote, more, and Highway 99 to be more transit and, and, and uh, you know, Bicycle friendly, as, as they put it. I don't know what that you know, exactly all that means. You know, it, it's, it's called multimodal. Yeah, it's all it's being driven multimodal travel. Yeah, it's all being driven by an agenda that's basically anti. You know, personal vehicles. Um, you know, they really are trying to create congestion and problems for people moving in their own personal vehicles. To, to make it so inconvenient, you'll be willing to go through the inconvenience of public transit. Um, and I just, it's a social engineering project. It's not good transportation planning. Um, and, and you know, don't get me started on the city of Eugene's transportation plan that adopted a level of service of E for their planning, which, yep. if, yep. it, which means they are planning to have gridlock in downtown Eugene. Ultimately, that is correct. Just yeah, you know, that's the that's the plan in Eugene. <laughs> Hopefully, Springfield's not going to adopt the level of service E. Um, but uh, you know, as I as we are getting ready at this at Lane County to consider our climate action plan phase two, this is straight out of that agenda for climate change, folks. You know, that has very little to do with actual, you know, carbon footprint and much more to do with socially engineering us into being dependent on mass transit. Um, and beware, folks, in Eugene, um, you know, if you think nine roundabouts along Main Street, just wait till whatever they do to River Road under their moving ahead plan. And I used to live in River Road and had to, you know, navigate that intersection of River Road and Beltline every day. Um, I can't imagine if they start taking away traffic lanes 
to make them dedicated bus lanes in that area, how bad that's going to get. And I just feel sorry for folks like Cal's Donuts. And Robin is dying to jump in on this one. <laughs> well, I just want to make a quick comment on the planning. Like, we give the uh, Drunken Architect Award to the planner for 6th Street. But he's also thinking over by the hospital, whose bright idea was it to put a parking strip in the middle of the road so the bike lanes could go around both sides? I hope Try that question wasn't out. addressed to me. <laughs> uh, no, I think that was just one of our, one of Robin's generalized comments about the traffic engineers around here. Sometimes we 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 give we've given at least the traffic engineers that design. I don't know if you've ever driven Sixth Street post MX um, from downtown out to the west as lanes disappear and reappear and get merged and become bus only <laughs> lanes and. Become right turn well, lane. Really if you want to talk about a crazy one, how about 13th with the new bike lane? Have you guys been on 13th lately? Yeah, it's a little on the crazy side too. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's yeah, what I, they want I to get do. Confused over there too. That's what they want to do to River Road, Coburg Road, and Highway 99 in the Moving Ahead project. I'd like to have a study they, on how many accidents with how many accidents happen on Franklin Boulevard uh, involving the MX with drivers who don't know how to navigate the, you know, getting across with the, the MX bus stuff. I'm just, that would be an interesting study to see. Yeah, it would be. Uh, I, I, I imagine there's a few. So we kind of covered housing and, and street improvements and, and, possible plans for future street improvements. Is there anything we missed, um, Victoria, that you want to talk about with, over there in, in Springfield, besides the fact that you're kicking everybody's ass with the Main Street rebuild and, and the, how cool well, and the main town Springfield is? <laughs> well, and, and you know, I, uh, I, I haven't haven't got an opportunity to see what the planning commission has come up with. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm expressing the concerns of the people, the citizens that I hope to represent. And, and it's important that they know that they have someone who's not just hearing their concerns, but really taking them serious. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I would, I'm only going to be one, one vote, but um, I definitely have an open mind and I listen. Um, but all in all, I mean, Springfield is just, like a kick-ass place to live. Like, I love it here. And even our government, the, you know, the, the city council has had like a 68% approval rating, which is pretty high for a government, you know, body because we really are engaged with our community. And um, I know that we have issues with houselessness and that type of thing, but I can also tell you that um, I'm really proud of how, so far, Springfield has been able to manage that issue um, and look forward to being part of the solution as we move forward. Um, and I think that they've done a really good job managing their budget. And um, I just want to continue to be a watchdog on that because that's, that's just something where my heart is and really making sure that our infrastructure, if we're going to have new housing, we're going to have more houses, that means we're going to have more people. If we're going to create more jobs, we gotta have good streets to drive on. We gotta have good pipes in the road. Like we, we need to make sure that, and then we have to have a good police force, which we just um, just sworn in the new police chief, and we're really excited to have him on board. Uh, sounds like he's gonna be a great guy. I think he came from Beaverton, um, but anyway, and he's been the interim for a while now. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where Springfield goes, and I would just um, I would ask people for their vote. And um, tell you that um, if I do get in there, the one thing you will know about me and that Jay can probably attest to is that um, I never pull any punches. And I, um, if I tell you something, you can take it to the bank and, uh, and you'll always know where I stand. Um, I, am, I am not a person who gives you a wishy-washy answer. <laughs> I'm just not good at that. And sometimes that gets me in trouble. Um, but you know, I'm just a real person, and um, I can be very blunt, and um, I'm willing to ask the hard questions so to make sure that we have the right answers. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy you're running, and I, 
I probably phrased that question or that last comment a little bit wrong. What I what I meant was, you know, Springfield's kicking everybody that else's butt with how nice downtown Main Street is and and how that just Oh my just gosh, is, isn't it wonderful? Yeah, it's yeah. so wonderful. And, and, and see, that's yeah, yeah that, I love it. Voted best downtown by the Eugene Weekly readers. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I work. In, when I was working, not working from home, I was working in downtown Eugene, and yeah, it's 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 a challenge. So yeah, I'm I'm very proud of what we've done. Um, our economic development department has done a good job of turning that around. Um, so uh, I hope that we we stick with that continuing up Main Street. <laughs> yep, yep. My good friend David Lovell's been an uh, integral part of doing that, um, and I I really. It's amazing what what him and some of his partners and friends and and some other people have done down there with the investments they made and in, in buying old buildings and refurbishing them and, and then converting them to some pretty neat neat little restaurants with apartments above them and all that and it's gone from you know the the horrible dive bars and whatever else that and, clubs, and, empty yeah. and strip clubs to one of the coolest places to be on a Saturday night. Um, you can't find parking around there very easily on a, on a, I, I was, I went to meet David down there at uh, uh, Tavern on Main one night and it was like a Wednesday night at six o'clock and I had to park four blocks off of Main Street <laughs> and walk. But the cool thing, it's, it's yeah. free parking. It's still free yeah, parking, was, which is pretty cool. <laughs> which is great. No, didn't have to pump a meter or put a credit card in the meter or nothing like that or pay at a parking garage. Um, but it, it just, it's so live. There's so much life there that, um, well, part of the reason I parked so far away is I drive a got awful big SUV and I can't necessarily always get in some of the smaller parallel parking spaces. <laughs> but uh, that's because I have lots of big dogs. Like yeah. Victoria does. <laughs> I'm yeah, I made the mistake we... of getting a smaller SUV. Yeah, yeah, I, I SUV got a Ford and I and I've regretted it ever since. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a Ford Expedition Max, and uh, it fits, you know, fits the dogs well, <laughs> with all the seats laid down. <laughs> so, well, you know. I appreciate you coming on. Um, just so our, our listeners know, are Springfield city councilors paid? They are not. It is a volunteer gig. So you're talking 15 to 20 hours a week of non-paid. Yeah, I'm not doing it for the money. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm not doing it for the money yeah. or the glory. That's <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I bring that up because I just want to remind people one more time that Lane County commissioners make more than $140,000 a year count both our pay and benefits. And Don Leslie, Heather Buck, and Joe Burney all voted earlier this year to give commissioners a raise. Ultimately, the, the, it failed, the effort, but they all voted in favor of the motion to give commissioners a raise. Here we have... Victoria willing to work, you know, 15 to 20 hours a week, you know, as a civil servant. And we have Heather, Dawn, and Joe that think that somebody that makes $140,000 as a civil servant needs more. Sorry, I just had to throw that one in there, Victoria. I'm, I'm a little bit fired up about that one. <laughs> I know uh, you I, are, I, and I'm staying out of that. Yeah. I don't I, was, I don't comment on anything that's not Springfield. <laughs> I was flabbergasted by that by the fact that they even thought it was smart to vote for that. Uh, yeah. I I have voted against every pay raise that's come before the commissioners uh for the commissioners. I was outvoted one time and we got a 2% cola. I I took my 2% cola and I donated it to United Way every year. Um I took a pay cut to become a commissioner. It's public service. We're paid well. We shouldn't get a raise 
particularly when our constituents are paying $4.89 a gallon for gasoline. Uh, so, Jay, yeah. can I ask you a question? So why are, sure. you, why are you retiring? Um, why, why, are you no, why are you giving? Yeah. There, there are lots of reasons, and some of them are personal, and I, and I really haven't talked about it much, but um, during this last term, I've, I've lost my mother and my two older brothers um, have passed away. Um, I am now the oldest person in my family. Um, it makes you think about retiring because my one brother passed away a month after he retired. My other brother died in an on-the-job accident before he could retire, um, both older brothers. And you start thinking about, you know, maybe it's time for me to step back. I've got the ability um, and enjoy life a little bit. And, uh, you know, I don't really talk about that much publicly, but that is probably one of the largest drivers in my decision was um, I, I needed to spend some time with family, um, kind of enjoy life a little bit. So, yeah, and, and well, I, I also kind I, of I, I, leave, leave term limits somewhat, and I'm self-terminating myself. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I, you know, as I had mentioned at the beginning of this, um, when I stepped back, it was because my dad was diagnosed with um, stage four liver cancer, and I wanted that time with him because you'll never get it back. Like you, you, you can't get that back. And I'm so grateful that I did that. And we've, we've also lost both of Mark's parents during this since 2020. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's definitely real. And I'm, I applaud you for doing that because family should come first. Like that's so important. Your family, your family should come first. So. Yeah. And that's more or less what awesome. this is about. Yep. Good. And it's time for some fresh blood that's, that's excited and ready to, and, and, uh, I think we've got some great candidates um, this coming election cycle for county commissioner. I, I've, I've kind of made no bones that I'm supporting Ryan Seneca for my seat, David Lovell in Springfield, and Kyle Blaine out there in East Lane. Um, I think all of them come with an energy and a different set of uh, experiences and expertise uh, from, you know, Ryan's background working on on school boards and uh coaching youth sports and and you know as a um lions club member and working on farms around junction city to now working at eweb um you know he's got a great background david's incredible experience of being a longtime business owner he's lived in springfield you know that district forever um and in the same house um, up there in North, you know, the Hayden Bridge area up there, um, you know, for 25 years, I think, um, you know, and he, he's worked hard to put his kids through college and everything. So, but I, I, I want to jump real quick before I let you go to, to Jeff from Florence, because I think he's got his two cents he wants to put in here um, and, and might relate to, to Springfield and roundabouts. I'm not sure. So, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Well, first you get the weather report. It's the report beautiful here. And um, and Jay, when you finally retire, this is where you're going to retire here, and you can take your dogs to the beach every day. Yeah, uh, that would be nice, and we we do walk them on the beach there quite often. Um, we have a couple favorite campgrounds. We drag the air the airstream, better known as the COVID capsule, over to the coast all the time, including uh, Hasita Beach RV Park, um, where it's close to walk. walk. Um, but you know, I, I I appreciate the thought, but we actually have some plans to actually um, move closer to family, uh, which involves moving back east because that's where we're both originally from. So we actually bought a piece of property that's on a lake. Um, and we'll be able to take the dogs out in the canoe. <laughs> Way cool. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. Hey, Jay, this is atrocious. So in about 20 minutes, I'm going to find out if I've got jury duty. And if uh-huh. I have jury duty, I have to drive 75 miles to do my civic duty, which is a 150-mile round trip. How insane is this? 
uh, our system is interesting. Um, one of my wife's employees who is part-time and doesn't earn a, a high wage um, is also potentially going to have jury duty, and she's wondering how she's going to pay her bills <laughs> if she well, gets you jury know, duty. You guys, you guys know you get like 78 cents a mile, right? Well, I'm taking it then because they asked me if I wanted to donate it, and there's no way in hell I'm donating it. Yeah, yeah. And they, I think they pay you about about five dollars an hour or something for jury duty. It's pretty it's pretty much a pittance. Um, but yeah, it, it's almost, an interesting. Almost pay for your gas. Yeah, almost. <laughs> uh, well, I'll let you know how the trial goes. I'm sorry, Jeff. I'll let you know how the trial goes. Okay, yeah. Afterwards, I'm sure, because I'm sure you're not going to be allowed to talk about it during the trial. Um, well, have fun with jury duty, Jeff, and uh, and stay safe there from, from uh, all the, the dogs walking on the beach. <laughs> all right, have a good evening. All right. Thanks, Jeff. That was Jeff with his usual weather report from Florence. Uh, Victoria, if you don't know, Jeff's a regular caller, and he always starts out with a weather report from Florence. Gotcha. Um, Basically, all he has to do is just say whatever the opposite of what we have is, and that's usually what Florence has, right? Yeah, yeah. It always makes me jealous when it's foggy here because it's always drop-dead gorgeous in Florence when it's foggy in the valley. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, Jay, so, I really appreciate you inviting me on. I really do. Um, this is one of the, really the first interviews that I've had. Um, I, I um, was, I did interview with the Realtors Board of Springfield, and I received their endorsement. I believe I also um, have the Home Builders Association. I haven't confirmed that yet, but um, you know, I've, I've, I really appreciate their trust in me and. Um, and I, I really appreciate your your support as well. I, 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 this is a great platform. Well, thank you for coming on, Victoria. It was great to talk about Springfield issues, but we kind of got to talk about the general issue of, you know, how we design our roads and whether roundabouts are a good idea and where they're a good idea. Um, and I love the fact that you are supporting, you know, Springfield focusing on what municipal governments should be focused on, which is providing the infrastructure necessary for their citizens and businesses to be successful and to provide an environment for housing to flourish at all levels. Uh, you know, you're not worried about dictating to people whether or not they use natural gas or not. You know, you're not trying to force people out of their cars and, you know, onto bicycles or, or mass transit, you're just, it sounds like you're focused on what municipal government should do. It's why I know for a fact, I just saw polling data that was done recently, the people in the Springfield area, 58% when just asked, are we on the right track or wrong track? 58% are wrong track. Only like 20% are right track. And in that environment for the Springfield City Council to have a 68% approval rating says stick to what you're supposed to be doing. Don't color outside the lines and people will like what you're doing. So I hope you'll continue the great work of the Springfield uh, municipal government. Uh, I've always really appreciated them. You know, I, you know, worked in Springfield at Branch Engineering. I did a lot of projects in Springfield, um, you know, River Glen subdivision, Hayden, Hayden Gardens down there, the first Hayden Homes subdivision in Lane County. Um, I did uh, a lot of the road work and, and civil uh, work that around uh, some of the new schools that were put in with the school bond there. So uh, it, it international way up there around, you know, Sony, when it was coming, I did those some of those projects. So I've I've got some a pretty big heart in Springfield. So it was important for me to have you on, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. And if anybody would like to hop 
if anybody wants to hop on board and um, do anything with uh, the campaign, it's Vote Victoria 2022 at gmail.com. Vote Victoria 2022 at gmail.com. And do you have a Facebook page? Um, yes, it is uh, Victor- Vote Victoria Springfield City Council Ward 5. So it's pretty simple. Just vote vote for Victoria and they can find me. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, good luck in the race. And uh, thank you for being on the Bo's Nose Show. We'll be back next week. I don't know if we'll have a guest or not. It changes. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Victoria for being my guest, Jeff for calling in, and uh, we'll be back next week at a regular time, 4 o'clock Pacific, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.